Welcome to Robot Kraken, Episode 4. We're Chris of Deeply Dapper and Tom, that's me, of Third Rail Design Lab. We're going to talk about movies, shows, comics, entertainment news, and general... general... what's the word? Miscellany, I believe. Miscellany. So this is Episode 4, which is really Part 2 of Episode 3, but we're going to call it Episode 4. Yeah, we have a tendency to talk a lot on our podcasts, and we've decided to... Just get together and jibber-jabber until we hit a good point and then split it up into a couple of episodes for you guys so we can be a little more regular. The more, the merrier. It looks more impressive. The more episodes you have, the more successful you are as a podcaster, right? Yes. So the last time we had talked about Robots Root, which is our little sum up of the news items that we thought were interesting. We talked about them at length. We uh, we fell apart into all kinds of side things and but anyway, so now I think we should resume and and uh, and start with our Kraken reviews. What do you think? Yeah, I think that sounds like a pretty solid plan. We call Kraken reviews a segment where we spend a little more focused energy on reviewing recent film, TV, or comic projects. But uh, let's be honest, we hyper focus on everything, so I'm not really sure what the difference is. But I will say this: um, we do have some uh, interesting stuff to talk about this week. Um, what do you think we should talk about first? You want to talk about toys? Sure. What toys are we talking about? So the thing about reviews is we're not really reviewing anything, right? <laughs> we're really not. We've talked about this. I hate <laughs> reviews. I mean, we've been writing reviews on our other site and now on robot kraken.com Hey, you said um, it right that time. Good job. It, no dashes. So <laughs> we've been writing reviews forever. But the thing is, uh, being beholden to a rating scale and being really uh, you know, objective <sighs> – it doesn't it, it work for us it very made well. It sense years ago, but it really doesn't now. I mean, you can go to Rotten Tomatoes and you get all you ever want, or Imdb. Yes. You can go to and you can read every every third, every everyone's third cousin has a, a review site. So, what we're mostly doing is just talking about what we thought about it and whether we liked it or not, right? Absolutely. So it could be films, it could be other types of uh, properties you watch, and it could be things. And in this case, I want to talk about toys. You want to talk about your things. I want to talk about my things. I want to talk about <laughs> toys because my kids have gotten to an age where I can buy toys for them that I want for myself. So last Which is year, always good. Yeah. Well, last year we got into proper Legos. And so that opened the floodgates for me in for good or for better or for worse. Right. 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 Vats and vats. It is Legos. easy to dive headlong into Legos and never resurface. And no one knows more about Lego diving than you. I have entire bins scattered around my front room right now because we're trying to put together the Tower of Orthanc after I'd had the The wise decision. The Tower of Orthanc from the Lord of the Rings. Mm. Uh, The big black tower that Sauron chills in. Um, I at some point... The eye prongs. prongs. Yes, yes. At some point I, I had the bright idea of organizing things by brick type and color. And took apart all my neatly organized sets and spread them out into these giant piles of colors and brick types. But didn't organize them. I just got about like halfway through and was like, fuck this. It's, this is a lot of work. <laughs> You've seen this, right? <laughs> Your takeout like- containers of Lego? <laughs> hey, these are, these are, uh, this is a crafty system, man. So we're recording the podcast, but we're doing it on Skype so we can see things. In. Right. We're actually not in the same room. Couldn't tell. Um, 
I've been doing that too. I've been. It's it's like a strange Sisyphusian maybe uh, habit of mine that I would rather just sit there and organize Legos by color while my kids are building stuff. And I have to tell myself, that's okay, when they start pulling out of my – because they really love that I do it because then they can grab at the different bins full of colors, right? So then right. they'll start pulling stuff out of that and I'm like, okay, it's fine. So I'll sit there and organize the, the Legos and then they take out of those bins and make whatever they want. And eventually I'll have everything we have sorted into individual containers. And yes, I'm using these, these takeout uh, bins. And then what I'm going to do is double the capacity of each container and that's going to be the system by which I – shop for some sort of modular containment system that's a little bit more oh okay you know more permanent yeah uh but but what i started with ziplocs and then i couldn't decide what size ziploc to use and so now i'm <laughs> right. using these, these bins because they're stackable right right and then once i get a formal system together i will i will talk about it and take photos and 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 put it on the site and you can you can marvel at our lego management here yes meanwhile so anyway, i have like yeah, eighteen gallon bins with shit in them. Right now. Oh, I just want to go. And you, you know, we've talked about this before. Those Legos, those Lego play stores. I just, I want to, just, I want to get locked in there overnight, like the movies from the eighties. Right? right, absolutely. So here's my thing about toys. So I'm buying toys now for the kids, supposedly, um, but they're things that I like as well. And um, it's interesting. I have a boy and a girl of different ages. And so, and they're both interested in nerdy stuff, but at the same time, I'm very, I'm much more sensitive to how the toys are marketed to them. Right. You know, the toys for girls are really cutesy. I mean, we're, it's great that we have Legos for girls, but they are little, I mean, they're different. Right? Yeah, they're different. Uh, yeah. Toys. I mean, they're, 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 and she loves they them. They can cohabitate with the regular ones, but they are definitely a different style. Only if they're married, Chris. <laughs> they can so, they can marry. They don't judge. Uh, they can so, they can share hair. They can marry. <laughs> well, and so my my daughter will make a spaceship, but then she'll put the little pony the little pony that's getting the hair brushed in it. Um, but I'm aware of the fact that they made the decision, and it's been actually talked about quite a bit based on on the marketing recently. But you know, they made the decision that they're going to market to girls, but they're going to do it with this cutesy stuff, the fairies and the brightly colored stuff. But the boys still get all the action. But in our stuff, we're trying to fuse all that together so that they play with a little of everything, right? Right. So that's something for me. I'm very sensitive about – I mean I understand that there's stuff that's really boy toys and then there's stuff that's really girl toys. But then there's this whole middle section, which I'm mostly interested in. Right. Action, genre toys, action yes. games, vehicles and things that I think could apply to both kids, right? The kids grow up with yeah, a, com absolutely. a comic drawing dad with a bunch of nerdy stuff around. Um, you know, They're, they're going to be used to these kinds of things and not – and not really apply a gender to it. And I'm trying to keep it that way. So I'm very sensitive when I can't, you know, when you have siblings, you have to be, you have to use parody, right? You can't get, right. One. I found that you can't give one a Frisbee and the other an action figure. You have to give them both action figures. And then re realistically, if you really want no trouble at home, you give them the same one. Right? <laughs> but at the very least, you should be consistent about the subject matter. And so it's frustrating to me when I'm trying to get, you know, let's say I want to get my kids both action figures and I'm having trouble finding an action figure that maybe might skew more towards my daughter. Right. Hence, I, what I'm getting at is the lack of girl characters in action figures, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly non-Lego. Lego's gotten a lot better about it over yeah. the last few years, but non-Lego female action figures are damn hard to find. 
Well, and the thing is, it's become um, in this last year, it's it's really blown up, right? It Marvel, has. Disney, Disney has dropped the ball multiple times. This is a company <laughs> yeah, that has have. made their fortune on selling princess themed fantasy stories to girls, right? I mean, that's right. really bread and butter. And then they've had side projects that they've bought or developed that appeal to boys, but it's always been a corporate thing. There's a there's a there's a uh, you know there's a philosophy there. That right. is the girls the girl stuff and the boys get the boys stuff and we don't want to mix the two. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is never before, never has it been more than today that there's a cross pollination between them. Right. I watch my kids and they watch the same. My my son, my little son watches Sleeping Beauty, and my daughter watches you know the whatever whatever it is, uh, Train Your Dragon. Right. <laughs> right. So, she definitely does skew towards princesses and things, and my son skews towards the adventure stuff because they're being programmed to do that. But at the same time, they do like the other stuff too, right? But it's been this year that it it, it was famous. Famous famous blunder was Ultron, right? (laughs) The toys came out and and Black Widow's missing from everything. Right. Found one case of it, right? It was in like a Target special edition box (laughs) of like three characters. And then there was a bad sculpt of Black Widow in it. And then that's it. Uh, and then, uh, and it was, it was a bad sculpt too. Yeah. I didn't buy it because I just couldn't (laughs) handle it. Right. But then you get to force awakens where one of the main characters and clearly the most important characters, female, and they blow it again. Right. And at first I thought, well, maybe there's, you know, who knows what, maybe they were holding out and they're going to just dump a bunch of extra race stuff at the end. Like they tried to pretend they were doing, but it was very obvious that it was deliberate. And there's been some stuff recently on the internet where supposedly there's been quotes that, you know, from toy designers saying that the executives looked at all of the options for the line and said, Nope, boy stuff for boys, star Wars for boys. What? A colossal right. fuck up. It's such bullshit. <laughs> I remember being at Toys R Us before the movie came out, and the action figures weren't out yet. But what they did have was the Monopoly set. And I was really hot to buy a Star Wars Monopoly set. My kids had Monopoly, they love it. And I go and look at it, and it's got Luke. And, like, I think I have, like, I don't remember who I had. Like, I think it's got Luke, all male Kylo, Darth, and like Finn, Finn or something. But, and no Ray, and I thought, well, that's unusual because we all know that Ray is a major part of this movie. I wonder why they did right. that. So I was frustrated enough that I didn't buy it. Right. Right. So then you get to the Christmas season, and there's this huge buy of everything that is on the shelf, and they go crazy, and people suck them up like crumbs. <laughs> and there was very little Ray stuff available. I, in fact, wanted to buy one for the kids, buy it for my wife, give it to the kids. Right. Right. Uh, I had to pay three times the the sale the normal retail price to buy Ooh. a Ray, a Ray action figure. Paid thirty uh, paid thirty bucks for this thing. I have it over here. Thirty bucks for a Ray action figure. That's insane. Because they didn't make enough. They didn't make very many female figures in Star Wars. In a movie where, uh, you know, famously the original ones had a powerful a powerful princess that was sort of saved, but then on the other hand, was kick ass. Right. right? So then they come out with a new one, and she is she's now playing all the roles at once, and she's, she's amazing, star, and she's yeah. a great at an amazing actress and a really great script for that character. And then they don't have any product for her. And now that they they have suddenly rushed a bunch of second gen stuff, and they're like, oh look at all this stuff. Here's the Ray pack of five different options. But you know, you you definitely feel like they're catching up. Oh uh, yeah, it's it, you even get a feeling from the stuff that you see that it's like, well, 
shit, we we rushed this off as quick as we could. The 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 variety of sculpt is a little different, and yeah, I mean it's it's clear that they weren't like, well, Ray's going to be popular. We've got all this stuff waiting to be released all of a sudden. That's right. So here, I'm going to show you a few things, even though this is you know essentially an all audio thing. But I'm going to show you. Some stuff. <laughs> all right, so. I found this at Walgreens. I knew when I saw them that they were going to be here. They're going to be here for a minute and gone, and you'll never see them again. So I bought them, even though they were expensive. And I, I keep telling myself I'll stop buying toys for my kids and for me, and I did anyway. But I found that. <laughs> you see it? Is that Batman? That's a that's a Ben Affleck Batman figure. Okay. How dope is that? Look at this cape. This oh cape. yeah, he's got a nice thick neck on him. Look at those! Look at those pel, pel, the pelvic muscles. Look at that neck trapezius. He's been working that thing. And then this is the main reason I bought it. Ooh, Wonder Woman looks nice. Here's a detailed, very articulated, uh, yeah. six inch, six inch uh, gal get up or something. <laughs> yeah, we should have looked that Wonder up Woman. in the break. <laughs> at some point, I want you to edit back in. So when we're when we release these videos, it's gonna be like girl. You know, like, it'll be the the computer generated how to pronounce online. It is Gal Gadot. Like <laughs> My name is Gal Gadot. I'm obviously Israeli. Gal Gadot. Gadot. Gal Gadot. So who is Gal Gadot? Gal Gadot. 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 Thanks to Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. 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 Gal. Gal Gadot. 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 I like about this figure. I mean, not just in the in the footage we've seen of the movie so far that she's weaponized, but right. I think it's neat that the figure is too because I can easily see <clears throat> them greenlighting a female character figure, but they don't give her a weapon, right? Absolutely. Even though she has it in the movie, they're not going to give it to the figure. I felt right. like that would happen. And this one has a sword in a scabbard, a sword that goes in the scabbard. It has a shield that you can actually wear with an armor. There's armor for the forearm. Are you sure that's... Are you sure that's a scabbard, not a really long purse? No. <laughs> oh, son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. As Tom now, was playing with this character, the shield popped open and there was a compact mirror inside. <laughs> this is what happens. You're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Her, her head is not as um, flexible as it could be because her, her the neck joint is impeded by the, the hard shape of the hair. Are you having trouble making her head bob up and down? <laughs> I want you to accept the fact that that figure was awesome. So because I, started, I have to tell you, she looked like she had a lot more flexibility in her, in her head than Batman did. Can't believe that you've said that. And in, <laughs> in fact, it's the inverse. Although that is one of the things I like about that Batfleck design is that it looks like he can move his head. It does. Um, yeah, it actually looks really s- slick. All things considered. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't not buy the Batman because you know Batman. But um, I have to say. It's made. It just reiterated how much this figure reiterated to me how much I love the design in this film because it's the Batman in in cloth, you know. Right. It's got armor under the cloth, but it's basically it's the Batman that we grew up liking, Um, and uh, and it's a dope configure. So I kind of love the 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 giant bat on there too. I do too. I think it looks pretty good. I didn't like it when he drew it, but I like it now. Yeah. And also this figure shows, um, and I assume this will be obvious in the movie, but he's got metal knuckle duster uh, points. Like he's got metal guards. Oh, really? Like poking through the gloves? Yep. And Interesting. Got, and then he's got, um, I don't know if it's just like the, the paint has worn off of the boot so you see it, but he's got metal steel toe. Ah. So you figure even when he's not um, uh, trying to beat up Superman in vain, 
he's beating up normal people um, in a very terrible fashion, which I really like. Yeah, I like that. Those figures I was very impressed by. And it actually made me regret when I got these. It's a slippery slope, Chris. It made me regret not getting the six-inch Star Wars ones because I, I I went for the three and a half-inch ones for my kids. The six-inch ones are sexy, man. They are. Oh, they, they look so good. I got the little ones because I'm used to the little ones from growing up, and I was nostalgic about it. I understand that you're used to the little ones. You son of a bitch! This is how it's going to be. This is what episode four is all about. This is hour three, ladies and gentlemen. But- <laughs> Chris is in deeply dapper dispatches mode. I keep I, I keep telling myself I'm not going to buy any more of these figures. I already have a box of Star Wars figures I haven't given the kids yet that I'm just like stockpiling for them to supposedly earn them. But right. I have to say, I look at these six inch um, figures and I think, gosh, I bet that the Star Wars ones would look pretty great at that scale. Oh man, but I've seen my- three of those out of their boxes like and been able to actually handle them and i was really impressed with them actually like i keep telling myself i'm not buying action figures i don't have a kid to use as an excuse for buying action (laughs) figures my excuse would be like oh i got this really bitchin rope toy uh (laughs) but oh those are hard man they're really cool and i've avoided the bigger ones because i always you know I grew up with the small ones, so I always thought the bigger figures were a, a stunt that I didn't right. get into, which is ironic, right? <laughs> a- Action Man was bigger. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Um, maybe, maybe I'll get some of the bigger stuff. Let's get, let's get focused, though. Uh, While we were uh, before we moved past toys, um, there was something Lego related that I was going to mention to you, and I didn't know if you'd seen, and I forgot. Um, There has been a leaked photo from the Nuremberg Toy Fair, I think is where it is, of a Lego figure in. Yeah, they they do. There's like a German toy fair going on right now. Um, There is a Lego figure in a wheelchair now. They've just come out with a wheelchair figure. I love it. Yeah. I super love it. Yeah, isn't that cool? It, it looks really good, too. Uh, they're they're doing like a park playset where there's like a like a wiener wagon and a, a balloon salesman and a bunch of other things like that. And one of the characters that it comes with is a person in a wheelchair. I will buy that on principle. I um, think it's really cool. I like my Legos multi-ethnic, multi-gender... I have a few that are possibly all genders, you know, a little lipstick, but some stubble. I don't know what that's about. Um, you don't believe me, do you? <laughs> and uh, I didn't say that. <laughs> wheelchair, wheelchair one, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Good. <laughs> yeah, you I thought what? it was I really neat. I'm. Uh, they they don't let you take photos at that particular toy fair. The, there's a press junket later, and then I guess most of the time that you don't really see the photos of the new ones until the New York toy fair, which is the big one, obviously. So oh, hopefully we'll get some better photos of it at some point. You know, for years now I've glossed over the toy the toy fair photos on on other sites. You know, I'd see them and be like, "Oh, that's so cool," and I keep going because <laughs> I didn't collect toys isn't right um well (laughs) my kids are requiring me to pay a little bit more attention the other thing chris that bothers me about toys is bad sculpts (laughs) yes see when we were younger when i was younger than you sculpts were poor i mean they were they were poor they didn't look at he-man right they use the same model yeah use the same mold multiple times 
Um, and it's never been more apparent than when I started going back in time in my in my um, unfortunate interest, renewed interest in getting toys for quote my kids unquote. I started right. picking up old He-Man and Star Wars figures on eBay, and I'm like, "Wow, these are terrible!" Right? <laughs> and then I remember when I was in my 20s or something, and the McFarlane McFarlane uh, line of toys slash sculpt- sculptures came out, and they were incredibly detailed. And those, you know, those Spawn figures, right, like, right, amazing stuff. And I remember thinking, "Why couldn't I have had that when I was a kid?" You know. <laughs> and I remember thinking that this entire time until about a couple years ago, when I started noticing that they've kind of gone backwards. Like a lot of the Marvel toys, they Marvel really action have. figures are really par- terrible. Yeah, I, I don't understand how lazy it's gotten on some of them. It's super weird to me. You'd think it would be at a time when economies of scale and technology would make it so that, you know, fairly inexpensively relative to the past, they could make very good quality sculpts um, available because it's right. just a sculpt. Now it's just a sculpt. They just do a, they do a mold and then... There it is. Right. So why? There's no excuse for these really poor, paint, poorly painted, poorly designed figures. And yet, you know, I love Iron Man and I want to go buy some Iron Man figures <laughs> for my kids. For and your they, children. <laughs> yeah, they look like garbage, you know? Yeah, well, and particularly Tony Stark. I've yet to see really a, a decent Tony Stark sculpt that I'm like, oh, that looks really great. Yeah, but I mean, you know, how hard is it? I mean, look at Iron Man. That's a great example. How hard is it to make an Iron Man figure look cool? Right. I'm not talking 80s Iron Man with the fabric, whatever it is, smart <laughs> stuff on the sleeve. So it looks – I mean even then, my my Secret Wars Iron Man with the – Oh, yeah. Scra- he looked really scratched cool. scratched out chest beam was super rad. And I, very few of the modern ones look as cool as that one did. Yeah. With his yellow muscles, right? <laughs> and then you look at the modern, the modern Iron Man design from the movies and stuff and it's a very um, geometric – armor it's a yeah. very rational armor yeah. so there's no problem making an action figure that looks reasonable with this right and yet most of them have this really strange proportion problem yeah and they have different plastics are used for different parts and so then the color doesn't match i've seen some really good ones i've seen yeah. some really good collector ones maybe yeah so yeah the the expensive the end of things are fantastic but well that's what it's like it's like there's no middle ground anymore well, and it's weird to me like, too that the there's this weird class of toys that have come out now where not only are the sculpts shitty, but they're like there's no articulation, and what articulation they have is placed strangely so that right. they're not really functional. It's so odd to me. Kung Fu grip only in the pinkies. Right. They can hold their drinks the right way. <laughs> well, and when I look at these, I mean, granted they're six inches tall, but I have seen plenty of larger scale figures that weren't sculpted well. What I like about these ones, the Batman and the Wonder Woman I have here staring at me, is that the not only is the paint done well right. and detail done well, but they're and you know proportionately, I mean, it looks like they they more or less look like humans. I mean, they look good. Right. But on top of that, I'm looking at this in the light, and Batman's uh, the those wrinkles and creases in his gray part mm-hmm. of his of his clo- of his cloth overlay of his armor. Right. They're there in the figure. That's and, cool. And then in the black chest symbol, there's the there's the te- that sort of carbon texture. There's that pattern texture in it. Right on. So they managed to pull that off, and you know, and I granted, I don't expect that out of the three and a halfs, but right. I mean, there's a huge disparity in the quality of these figures, and I'm not happy about it. And I especially notice it in the female figures. Right. So I, I want to go and grab a female figure for my daughter, and 
the you know she looks I don't know like she's smashed by something yeah 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 and that's been a problem for a long time either they look like they're using the same sculpt as the male figures right or they're so like over exaggerated to the point of ridiculousness it's like when they they first started re-releasing those star wars figures even like back in the when was that the 90s early 2000s whatever where they had the monkey face leia where she was in this weird (laughs) exaggerated pose and her skirts were all the the hard plastic see she couldn't even sit down she was completely non-functional as a figure and they've not really improved on that much yeah well, I think overall, I mean, most of the the Force Awakens related Star Wars figures have have looked pretty good. They haven't been great, yeah. but they've been pretty good. Certainly better than the old ones were, and and they're not as distorted as those '90s ones were. Star Wars right. muscles, you know. But but still, the best of the figures that I've gotten for them in the Star Wars world have been those that Macquarie series, which is those are cool. Yeah, eight or nine years old. But I mean, those there's a lot of detail and it's so weird looking. I mean, I love them. <laughs> I'm always right. like, that's not a stormtrooper. That's a white Boba Fett. <laughs> Prototype Boba Fett. <laughs> I even have two, two helmets, right? I have the right. Boba Fett helmet and the original one. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, that's my thing. I, I guess I would say as far as Kraken reviews goes that these uh, DC Batman versus Superman versus whomever figures look great. I elected not to buy the Superman, which is another <laughs> one more strike against their franchise. He looked fine, but I had to pick a choice. Right. I actually only intended to get the Wonder Woman, and then I, and then I actually – like I literally found three figures on the shelf, and I thought they're not going to be there very long. They had just yeah. put them out. And uh, they were they were Superman, Superman, and then Wonder Woman. And I took the Wonder Woman, and then as I turned around, I saw under some stuff like upside down and smashed in. Some kid had tried to hide a Batman. I was like, oh, nice. And you're like, screw you, kid. I took it. Son (laughs) of a bitch. Um, But anyway, so I like these figures. So what you're saying is DC makes good toys, bad movies, and Marvel makes good movies, bad toys. (laughs) That's brilliant. You're really onto something. So, Chris, let me ask you this. Since we're talking about reviews. Yes. And we like to watch stuff. We do like stuff. Did you uh, did you get a chance to uh, watch at the new X Files? I've seen the first episode of the new X Files. I keep meaning to watch the second one, but today was uh, one of those days. So <laughs> I understand it was one of those days. So what do you think of it? I really can't decide. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was very X Files without yeah. question, and it had. A very like retro X Files feel to it in a lot of ways, yeah. Uh, but I, <laughs> I did not particularly care for the acting of Sveta. Yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't think she was very good, and I don't know. There were parts of it that I was like <laughs> giggling like a little kid, super excited. He just his hands up in little fists. He yes, I did. <laughs> And then there were other parts where I I lost interest and had to go back and rewatch it because I was like, what uh, what's going on now? I wasn't paying attention. Mm, so I don't know. I it's I'm really interested in seeing the rest of the season. It wasn't like I watched episode one. I'm like, fuck this. I'm not watching the rest or anything like that. Um, but it was not what I'd hoped for for the first episode necessarily. Hmm. 
It was more of a kind of we're setting up the anthology or the mythology type stuff. I I don't know. I thought it was a great first episode. I was very frustrated at the fact that I knew it was six episodes, like a mini season. Right. And I knew that if they were going to tell it, it seemed to me that if you're going to do six episodes, you got to tell a cohesive story. Right. And then when you roll into the second one, as it turns out, they even put him out of order. So the second one's like really the fifth episode that oh, they really? shot, but now they put it in the second because they moved it around in order to be as consistent. They wanted to tweak the narrative or something, and okay, in so they meant moved it around. But what they what it becomes obvious is that they're doing is it's really just like a sampler of what that whole series was like. So the <clears throat> so it's a monster of a week sort of right episode, and then I think there's one that's more comedic, and then. And then they're gonna so and then they bookend with they're gonna bookend it with mythology. Interesting. And so to me, I, if that first episode said anything, it's that there's either a real feasible clue into the real conspiracy mm-hmm. behind everything that they were alluding to in the show, or that he's desperate to believe right what he's because he did just dive right in it's like from scene to scene it was like cut and then all of a sudden he's like don't you understand like that when when right. she came over to the to the to the talk show host's ha- uh little hideout or whatever it was wherever they were the cabin in the woods maybe it was sweater's cabin in the woods yeah sweater's cabin and he just sits her down and says so here's the deal and then he just had this this whole litany of things that he had come to that quick conclusion, right? And I and it felt really disjointed because I felt like, wow, I want this just to be a whole season. I want this to be ongoing, I don't, right? I, and know, that was I, my biggest complaint with that first episode was it wasn't. It felt like it should have been three or four episodes spaced out over yeah, six or yeah. seven weeks with some monster stuff in between or something. Instead, they were just like, well, we've got six episodes. We've got to fucking cram this entire narrative into as few episodes as we can logically do. And it just felt too crunched together for me. Well, here's the thing. When Fringe came out, one of the things people initially started complaining, well, it's just a knockoff of X-Files. Right. Then it became really good. Mm-hmm. Like Fringe was really good. And it got to the point where... I started thinking of X-Files as being a proto-Fringe. Like, wow, mm-hmm. Fringe, X-Files needed to exist so that Fringe could exist. <laughs> right. Because Fringe was able to balance on a week-to-week basis a combination in each episode of some comedy and some horror and some tension between characters plus some surprises plus some really dark stuff. Right. And, and really, really good use of a limited budget, right? Mm-hmm. So it was basically... All the best ofs of X Files episodes from from you know so your nostalgic thinking of how X Files was that's right. how that's how Fringe played on a regular basis. They had good episodes and bad episodes, but as a as a whole, it was a fully formed um, sort of composite of the disparate things that X Files was over its lifetime. Yeah, uh, definitely, and they did they handled it so deftly too, with the way they they mixed the mythology with the goofiness and the monsters and that kind of thing. Well, that's I what mean, I was not, not say, that there's too. really monster episodes with Fringe, but there were at the same there were time. Monster yeah, episodes. but what they did was they found a great, um, they found a very organic way of continuing an overarching mythology through Monsters of the Week. There was rationale for them to be exploring them. They were able to reference the bigger picture stuff that they're piecing together. Right. Does this Bigfoot seem to relate to this 
overall fringe phenomenon. Yes, <laughs> right. No. Right. It wasn't right. that hard, but they managed to do that. But then here, I was struck by this new X Files, and it made me think of the old stuff that they really, it was really, um, the disparity between the monster episodes and the mythology episodes was significant. It really and was, then, yeah. And then, the, and then I felt like the mythology episodes, you really wanted to continue it in a serialized fashion. You want to know more. And then all of a sudden it was back to, and then there's a guy with no head. and you're Right. Like, right? Like, yeah. it didn't know what it wanted to be. Well, and I'm having that problem right now because I'm re-watching the episodes of The X-Files. And we had initially planned on going all the way back to the first season and rewatching it from the beginning, episode by episode, all the way to the end, including the movies and everything else. Right. And part of my problem is that I was such an obsessive X-Files fan growing mm. up that, I mean, like, I had the individual VHS tapes that I bought so that I could record the episodes <laughs> yeah. off of the, on the VHS. And, on SP and, mode. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I, I had the labels that I printed out that I put on the ends to make them look like they were x files <laughs> and i mean it's just i was ridiculous and i started re-watching those first couple seasons and i'm like i love this stuff it's the stuff that i really like made me fall in love with x files but i can't sit and watch all of these right now when i want to get to the stuff i haven't really seen much of right. Right. And I found myself going back and rewatching the monster episodes, not the mythology episodes. Right. So it's pretty obvious that I'm already programmed to enjoy the monster episodes more than the mythology ones anyway. So There's something to that, because the mytho- the monster episodes were because they were done in one, they were a little bit better storytelling. Right. And the conspiracy stuff, he was making it up. It's like lost, right? Right. They, they had an overall idea, but then they were kind of spinning their wheels and they would stretch things out and whatever. So when you're going back and sampling, obviously the done in ones that have a, have some interest to them because not all of them were interesting. So right. Very lame. But the ones that were good were really good. Absolutely. And they hold up as repeat viewings because they are self and self-contained. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, um, I really liked a lot about the first two episodes and then there were parts that were maybe nostalgic. I mean, let me think about the potential that's missed, you know, right. I wish, I wish they had more room because just on that first episode alone, I wanted a couple seasons out of just what they showed me. Right. Yeah. Um, I have some details. You have details. Some details. I do. Sure. I thought it was neat. Here's the thing. I thought it was cool that you your first hint that, I mean, you get a sense that um, Mulder has gone, that um, he's gone off the grid and he's become that. <laughs> right. It's conspir- he's taking conspiracy theory to that level where he doesn't, he's no longer part of the government, which was always that weird thing, that hypocrisy of him. Yeah. Now, now he's the full on, you know, he's living in a, in a van down by the river. Yeah, right? the quack in the woods somewhere. Yeah. He was, he's living in a rustic farmhouse who has a kitchen that's all, <laughs> you know, like rustic and then it has the lamps that I installed in our place, right? <laughs> right. But anyway. To be um, fair, it is larger than his apartment was in it, D.C. It, 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 <laughs> but the thing that – the first thing I really liked is a detail. Okay. Okay. He's got stubble on an army jacket and whatever. Okay. Look, right. He's, he's a he's – a, he's on the edge of being a militia guy. But what I really liked was he opens up his laptop and there's um, like – three layers of duct tape over the camera oh that's awesome i didn't even catch that and it wasn't just one layer right three layers it was like (laughs) covered covered and covered and i thought that was great and then they and then they had to 
So to me, a more sophisticated show that had room to breathe wouldn't have dwelled on those details. They would have right. just kept on going. But then he had to say, you know, they're watching you and everything you're doing and blah, blah, blah. So I didn't need to hear the rhetoric about how right. the after you. And I know that Chris Carter said that this season, micro season, was going to be playing on su- the subject of universal surveillance and how if the government, if in that story – you never could trust the government to begin with. But now if the government is really controlling you and manipulating you and then eventually going to just kill you in some massive revolution, um, you know, the first thing that the problem is that they can see and hear everything you're doing and saying. Right. So he's playing up our fears about the surveillance state and the erosion of democracy and all that stuff. So they didn't need the speech. We see it in the news right. all the time. Right? right. We didn't need those characters to rant to us. It's like. I don't need to ever, ever, ever in a movie see someone talking about nine eleven conspiracies because I right there's there's ways to subtly tell that in the story and have it conveyed to the viewer without you having to spell it out at this point. Uh, and it reminds me in my writing, I in in I tend to reference things but not go into detail. Mm-hmm. Like I like to use them as an establishment component. Right. Like it bases it grounds that character in a certain worldview. It makes reference to certain things, whether they were fictional or real, and then I move on, right? Right. But it reminds me how sometimes Warren Ellis, for example, will mm-hmm. he'll take the soapbox and his character will be like, well, what do you think? And then he'll spend three pages talking about <laughs> some conspiracy theory, and you're like, right. well, you could do that. You could have made two <laughs> sentences and it would have been as effective. Right. But as we know, Warren Ellis has no editor, so it is what it no, is. No, no, he just gets to do whatever he feels like. <laughs> So another thing I really liked was what I wrote in my notes. I was taking notes as I was watching. Spicy Sully, which I think means spicy, spicy Scully. Because <laughs> Spicy Sully is someone that you would imagine to be a part of the crew of is, Robot Dash Crack. Yeah, right, right. Spicy Sully. <laughs> spicy Sully. I think what I was writing was she looks great. She does. She looks fantastic, yeah. I mean, I like the – well, I don't know if she's had work done. Maybe she has. But my general impression of Gillian Anderson is that she's been – that she's aged very naturally and she's allowed her age to show in a way. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe she's – maybe maybe it's maybe it's a scam and maybe she's doing a lot of stuff to, to hide. I, I don't know. Hide. It's, it's interesting to me too because in this particular – in the one episode I saw, she looks – Older in some ways than she did on The Fall and Hannibal. Yeah. And, like, they they didn't make her up as much to try and make her look younger. And I I really appreciate that. I think she looks really great. But at the same time, what it was is she she has the look of an – I don't know if older woman is the word. But she looks like a woman in her 40s Mm -hmm. who has not lost her uh, fashion – fashion or sex appeal or whatever i mean she's in heels and she she looks very sophisticated she looks really good she looks very sophisticated yeah you need to do that like she could have been in like in the in the originals she could have been in pantsuits and right really really restrained and not have much um sort of that that sort of sexuality to how she looked um and it would have been perfect for the character would have been perfectly consistent with that character yeah and then, on the other hand, they could have gone a little bit too far, and she could have been dressed in a way that seemed odd for the way that character, the character and the age were. Right, and right. Been, you know, the Katie Couric 
um, backlash. Yeah. Yeah, like, like even, like, her scrubs, they were clearly cut for her. They yeah. were cut, they were fairly tight across the chest, that kind of thing. But they were, like, functional scrubs. They weren't, oh, look at this sexy nurse's outfit that she's wearing right. or anything like that. She looked like a serious older woman doctor type look which i really liked i thought it looked very excellent on her actually when i said kitty kirk i mean this is a thing when she took over the the nightly news and she started doing those and then and then she started doing those sit down interviews there were a lot of people who criticized that she had a shorter skirt on and taller heels right on. it was a very sexist gender-based uh thing focusing on how she looked and not what she and not was what doing. she was saying and what she was doing. Right. I remember even when I was younger, I remember thinking, why couldn't she wear what – why couldn't she – why couldn't she dress uh, – setting aside the fact that producers may be involved in <laughs> right. image to be maintained. But you know, why couldn't a woman of a certain age dress the way she feels comfortable? Which, and some want to dress down. Some want to dress up. Just right. Like, and in their 20s, right? Yeah. Why does it have to be a thing? And so what I liked about her character – in this, as you mentioned, Gillian Anderson has played other roles in recent right. years. She was a di- she was dressed and acted differently. It's not like her ego is flying it, flying in here, and she's just going to dress the way she wants to look. Absolutely, maybe I don't know, but I thought that it said something about the character that she had um, sort of moved on from being marginalized as one of the X Files, right? Uh, weirdos not taken seriously and now she's got this practice and she's doing this really noble medical stuff and she's an accomplished sophisticated um i say older and i'm in my 40s so what i'm saying is for hollywood <laughs> for these stories older than her character was in the past right but she's definitely an um, actress who has seemed to have embraced looking great at the age she's at and not tried to look like she's not that age i, I agree completely yeah but they dressed the character in 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 that first episode well i guess both they dressed her as someone who seemed to care about her appearance yeah yeah and she wanted to be more um yeah she wanted to present something in the the clothes that she was wearing i oh, was very yeah. aware of, i was aware of that in the costuming because they made a point of making Mulder wear right you know the oregon occupiers outfit <laughs> and then you know, so they were further distancing them right yeah up in a gray pantsuit, it wouldn't have been – you wouldn't have seen the evolution, right? Yeah, everything you saw of her, she looked like a successful Washington, D.C. doctor right. without question. She was a businesswoman. She was professional and she was sexy. And yeah. I think they definitely aimed for that and I think they succeeded very admirably. The second episode um, uh, that you haven't seen dives a lot more into their – a little bit into their past but also talks about um, – you know issues that are more relevant to me as a parent, and uh, there's a point. Someone, a friend of mine, posted on some Facebook or whatever, and said, you know, he's watching X Files, and he's his he's getting confused because his memories of X Files and and Fringe are blurring. And this episode specifically is like that because there's stuff in this one that broadcast more to major themes in Fringe than it does anything that was ever in the original X Files. So the second episode gets really confusing. If you were a Fringe fan, you start to think of Fringe while you're watching um, <laughs> this episode. But um, I really liked um, – uh, what's his name from Talk Soup and Community? 
that played the uh, uh, Joel Jones. McHale. Yeah, Joel, Joel McHale. Yeah, I read that he was going to be in it, and I saw a photo of him on the set. I was really like, ah, come on, that's going to be right. Great. And then when they establish him as this sort of um, O'Reilly style Republican, yeah, uh, talk show uh, shock jock type, I was really irritated. <laughs> and then and then they crack it, and he's he at least appears to be, yeah. You know, Right, much more aligned, and and then so that made me really interested because now that's that's the point where I started going. Well, now I just want to see a few seasons of straight up mythology, right? Even before we get to the ship and all the other stuff. Just the fact that Mulder would have to accept the idea that here's someone who is ideologically completely opposed to him and mm-hmm. is a member of the system and a member of the sort of the, the the class of people that he's outraged by, right? Who actually totally gets him, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was worried about him because he he plays such a very specific character on his both his, you know, the talk soup and community and everything else he's been in. And he had some of that aspect to him in this, but I really liked him in his role on this. I was pretty impressed. Every other character he's played that I've seen, he was smarmy. Yes. He was was knowingly sarcastic. Mm -hmm. This character had a certain sleaze to him. Yeah. And the other thing, though. I mean, they're very, they're very clearly shown that he he seems sympathetic, but he can't necessarily be believed, or at least he's a devil, you know. Yeah. On the one hand, he's trying to butter up Scully, right? Take out on a date or something like that. But on the <laughs> other hand, he's really appealing to uh, Mulder and on his stuff. So he does definitely feel like a too good to be true. Yeah, he's got an, and, an element of the con man about him. He does, and then when he's disappeared at the end of the episode, what I liked about it is you can. It's totally plausible that he really was taken out or that he went underground or that it's part of the scam. Right. Right. Um, Another thing I thought was neat was that um, in the flashback – so anyway, this is one of those deals where they show – straight up show you stuff that's fantastical. Mm -hmm. So the blessing and the curse of that is that the characters are going, well, are they real or are they not? Right. And part of the the fun of that sort of storyline is gone – when I hope that's honey whiskey that you're drinking there. <laughs> of course. Part, part, of, part of the fun of that kind of story is gone when you've seen it. Right. It's not that fun to watch characters uh, hand ring over whether some some paranormal thing is real when you've watched the paranormal thing happen. Yeah, I was back to the, really surprised that they dove right into it the way they did with that. Well, and that goes right back to the Scooby-Doo that my kids watch, right? That's mm-hmm. the thing that's weird about that new cartoon is that they show you some really fantastical stuff. Right. And then the characters are like, well, and then they, and then they take the mask off and it's the janitor. Right. This is like, I mean, they just dove right in. Yeah. Shoot alien in the back. Right. <laughs> right. But, uh, Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. Oh yeah. There are, there are some spoilers here. <laughs> Maybe we should add a disclaimer at the beginning. <laughs> so one of the things I thought was really interesting is in the 1947 footage, when the ship mm-hmm. crashed, there was a steel core, or no, a steel shell, mm-hmm. and then it looked like it had a mineral interior. Like yeah, like like the, some sort of like rockiness to it. There was a there was like a weird mineral filler. Yeah, reinforcement, and then you would see the interior core of where the where the the pilot was. Um, I was impressed because that was something I had never seen before. And yeah, it was a it was kind that. of a neat touch that I didn't expect on that. I really figured, okay, it's just going to be the same generic. UFO that you see in everything, basically. Right. Yeah. So, 
another thing that happened in the second episode that you haven't seen is there's some it's a monster of the week episode. There's some powers being displayed by mm-hmm. people. And I was struck by how the effects and the presentation of it was better in this six well, in what we're seeing so far right. in this six episode mini of X Files, which was never the highest budgeted <laughs> show on the planet. It looks better than Heroes. It looks better than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> they pull off in those other shows. It's like mundane stuff, and then they throw their money at an effect, but it's kind of jarring. It's right. Like, it's not great, but it, it's pl- it's it's passable, but it's so different than what you saw. Right. The combination of more uh, sophisticated cinematography mm-hmm. and the way they use the effects in the second episode. And, and again, the first episode with the ship hovering that he's holding on yeah that was really solid i like that scene a lot uh the scene at the end with sveta and the the lasers in through the sunroof i did not like as well but it wasn't because of the low quality it was just kind of jarring how good the quality was for that scene actually well and then going back to the what you and i agree on about a lot of things that less is more and Mm -hmm. the question is more in fun than the answer right I couldn't help but think that what we should have seen was a camera panning across a country road leading up to a smoldering car. Yes. It's blasted and then it pans up and the blast air, the blast radius of the car is geometric. So like the yeah. car has been exploded out in a uniform fashion in a way that wouldn't have happened with a combustion explosion. Yeah, no, that right? would have been really solid. One yeah. of those fringe was good about that kind of thing, like showing you a pattern in the image that you're seeing. Yeah, uneasy because it was not natural. Oh yeah, that would have been gorgeous. I would have loved that. Yeah, they didn't ask us. (laughs) (laughs) Those fools. But but what I loved about the scene when he saw the 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 reproduction spacecraft was, Mm -hmm. you know, in those kinds of things, the photo, the photos of this of the UFO or whatever. Right. It's always like, well, you know, it's blurry or it's a digital effect or you know whatever. You didn't get to go out and touch it. What was great about the scene was he reached out and touched the thing. (laughs) And then, just so that we know it's not just a a mock-up, then it levitates. Yeah. His hand hand is on it as it's rising, and he's holding on to it until (laughs) he can't hold anymore, and then he drops his hand. There's no question. And then they walk under it, and it's gone, and it's very clear that it's not just invisible, but it's actually teleported. Right. And I I like that because they they made a – I mean, they – it was very deliberate to show us and him that this was legit. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a really good job with that scene in particular. I, I liked the physicality of it. It seemed really, really well done in pretty much every aspect, in my opinion. The definitely, design was cool. It was. It was interesting. They, they definitely are making it that his character and us as the audience are getting it through him, that he's now convinced, based on what Sveta said, that this is all – Humans have used the tech from the crash right. and have developed like that Independence Day sequel. They've developed <laughs> the, the tech based on alien stuff, and they're going to use it to subjugate people and, and right. escape, escape the gravity well. Right? Because people suck. <laughs> but what I think is happening, I mean, they're now talking about hybridization. Mm-hmm. They suggested that there was hybridization experiments going on with Sveta's babies. Right. Then you see the thing where uh, – both, both. Um, well, and so, so, so there's some stuff that happens in the second episode that's talking about that too. It makes me think that maybe it's not just that it's human dickheads using mm-hmm. this tech, which is military-industrial complex stuff anyway. Of course, but maybe it's 
human hybrids that are using it or that is the method methodology for the alien invasion is uh-huh. that or or whatever it, it does certainly from the 47 stuff it looks like they killed the alien and took a shit right but maybe, so maybe 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 this is but I, but i don't think it's humans straight up humans right I think it's no alien, human alien hybrids or a combination of yeah, whether the the hybridization of it is making them do things that they wouldn't have done normally, or if it's, it's totally part of a larger it's plot, just, it's totally plausible that it's just dickheads, right? Right. Um, how about that last scene with the uh, smoking man? I liked it. In the original, in the series, he had been blasted, right, and, and so he had the burns on him. Right. So it was neat to see that he had survived, and I thought it was. There's always something really unsettling when you see uh, characters or real people smoking through their... Oh, it's super creepy, yeah. (laughs) So that was cool. I like that a lot. Um, I would imagine that's a fairly easy effect to do, too. Yeah. Because you you already have the prosthetic from the burn makeup on there and just that on there, just a tube running down. But it's super effective to see something like that. It's... I really like that. It's in that way. Yeah. Especially... Do you remember how much work they put into the sound of his? He would like. It was like he was smoking roll your owns because it would be like you hear like the oh yeah the crackle you and hear the crackle yeah we always go like with his with his lips like as if he had particulate he had <laughs> right. So here's a funny anecdote before we leave this subject. Um, uh, my wife and I sat down to watch it. We all excited. We fired it up on uh, Netflix or Hulu, whatever it was. Hulu. And we fired it up, and and Hulu just auto the new format of Hulu at least on the Apple TV is it just just throws it at you right away. Okay. Based on what it thinks you're ready for. So we're like, okay. So we fired it up and we're watching it. And I was going, man, this is cool. They've done this really neat sort of throwback style. It feels really consistent with the old stuff. (laughs) Maybe it's a flashback. And then, and and then she's, and then she's walking through the, through the FBI's offices and it's all like, paper everywhere and kind of beat up and then there's all these big old <laughs> base crts and i'm like i love it you know oscar to the or emmy to the set designers right it's totally legit that's totally 80s and then she goes in and she sits down and she's being interviewed for joining the x-files and i'm like oh wait we're watching the pilot oh my god that's hilarious but what it told me was <laughs> that the quality level of the pilot was enough that i bought it initially <laughs> There's some spinning thing, like a weird, weird tornado is happening to a girl in a forest. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You, know, I, you probably just recently saw it. I right? did, yes. <laughs> yeah. So because my mind was telling me that it was the new one, I was buying it. That's hilarious. Doing it in a retro style. Right. <laughs> so and then and then she starts talking to him and and uh, and Duchovny couldn't act back then. Right? Oh, he was, yeah, he was like, terrible. Yeah. You're the spun, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's like it's, and it's <laughs> you can see. Even though she had less experience than him, she was more sophisticated in her delivery. Yeah. But anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. That's we watched hilarious. 15 minutes of it. And I, even after we figured it out, I was like, no, we got to watch the rest of the scene. <laughs> There's that scene where she takes her shirt off and finds those lumps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. What are these? You look at this. Look at this blurry projection, and tell me what your medical opinion is. And she's like, "Well, it could be X and Y and Z." He's like, no, wrong. <laughs> That's where I drop my sunflower seeds. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, X Files. We have more. We have four more episodes to go. Yeah, four more right. episodes. I'm excited about episode four. Because I'm not a mythology guy. I'm a monster guy, and that's the episode that Darren uh, Darren Morgan wrote. 
Oh, really? And he's the guy that did all the favorite episodes for me. Um, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose, the Little Green Men episode, uh, Humbug. He's ah, the, the comedy writer guy. Oh, good. Yeah, that's going to be the – that would be fun. Yeah. Well, I think – I mean we had a few other things we were going to talk about in the reviews, but I think we can – they're not really time sensitive, so we can. Those can do. always be pushed to a a later seven hour session of. So we had awesome <laughs> stuff planned, and we're going to bump it. Yes, that's how it is at Robot. Yeah, just keep oh. listening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so, so what do you think? Do you want to do a little planned plundering? Planned uh, plundering sounds excellent. Planned plundering, and that is where we talk about what we're looking forward to: What's movies, TV, comics, anything. What's in your queue? What are you looking forward to? I am actually looking forward to the new face-off season. Which the what? The what? Face-off. That is a it's, – it's, it's a game show basically or a reality show. A reality game show I guess would be the word for it on sci-fi. Um, it's in its 10th season now. Cannot believe it. Isn't that crazy? Um, so I watched the first three seasons and then, uh, and then, I, and then I gave up cable and I wasn't able to – yeah, it's hard to find if you don't have cable access or you're you're not afraid of a little plundering, so to speak. Well, well plundering. <laughs> I love it, and I actually have queued up six seasons of it or something to watch, but I watched those first few, and... It's you know, a fun I, show. I, it's... I, dabble, I dabbled in that industry briefly, and so I'm absolutely fascinated. I mean, if I had to... I mean, as far as... Re- I love those designer reality shows. Yeah. Being a designer, I mean, how can you not... Right, man, I love that show. Yeah, it's it's such a brilliant idea to say, okay, we're gonna take the cupcake warriors format and apply it to these struggling makeup artists right out of Tom Savini school, and say each week we're gonna come up with the most ridiculous ideas for you guys to have to make some makeup off of, and it's it's been interesting to watch all ten seasons because my wife is obsessed with this show. Oh, really? She it's funny because she hates reality TV. She will not watch anything that's reality based. Well, except for movies that are. <laughs> documentaries that kind of thing but she doesn't watch game shows Well, reality shows aren't real realities right and she will watch these three or four times through and just like obsessively over and over again and she finds these little details and she's like look at how they did this and oh look at the way they cut this there's clearly some sort of judicious editing here and but this season it's it's funny to watch them because there's a varying level of quality in the um contestants and it's oh, really? pretty clear that it's one of those things where they're like well we're having a lot of trouble finding 14 good artists this year so we're going to pick 14 middle of the road artists to start out right. and then the next year they're like well these guys have all worked on halloween houses so we'll bring these guys in cuz they'll all have for this kind of the same base and i appreciate that they do that cuz then there's not this super obvious front runner on it um right. one the of the last, years one, the, the last i saw it it was like that there was like a pro 25 year pro right some girl out of school yeah yeah and it's some of them are just so uneven in that respect um but you know you get some cool surprises like one of the years uh the big winner her name was dina and she was a friggin' cake decorator who dabbled in the makeup on her side and she was fucking amazing spoiler alert yeah yeah from four seasons ago spoiler alert um but, like, the thing I liked about that is that she had a different way of looking at things and approaching stuff. Like, she would pipe, 
latex onto things, which was really clever. Huh. And I, I that's funny as a as a as a bakery artist. That's yeah, that's an interesting idea. Yeah, yeah, there's there's certain levels of creativity on it that just blow me away. And, and honestly, watching Face Off is kind of inspiring in some ways. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and what surprises me when I watch that is, uh, well, I like watching artists work who don't look like my art right yeah I like i like watching you work it's different than my style i like watching um and not just in physical art you know or uh drawn art but you know painting painting right. and sculpting and everything else just when they have a different point of view and they have a different uh toolkit i'm fascinated by it i like looking for the common threads of design logic but then all the new tools right yeah so what i love about that show is just like any other design show that i um <laughs> Did your face hugger get out? <laughs> what happened? Just, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on out there. It's like I immediately just something about the way you just turned it reminded me of uh, oh, I've of, got uh, of aliens when he looks in the lab. Is dogs like, and wives and cats. It looks like no face huggers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's not, yeah okay. So um, anyway, uh, just like when I would watch um, the other design shows, right. I always treated it, you know, I'd always sit there and ask myself, what would I do, right? Right. And uh, what I love about Face Off is that I'm never remotely close to anything any of those guys do. Yeah, yeah. I've always come, you know, I've got some ideas. Yeah, their design logic is completely different than anything that you would come up with with the same challenge. And I don't have, you know, because I didn't really pursue that, I don't have the the training or experience with material. Mm Mm-hmm. And 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 mechanics, right? Really, especially obvious when they get people who have some experience on that, right? And they understand. Yeah, the, the fabrication the stuff that they do, where they're making like the armor and that kind of thing, just blows me away. It's like the the vacuum formers and. I mean, I'm always interested in that. Like the one will be like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have used this latex. I should have used that." Right. Home, and the other one to be like, "Well, you need to structure it a certain way." <clears throat> I definitely don't have that background, but right. When there's concepting. You know, that's when I'm most like, well, I would have done X. And, and right. Think, at least in one season, I was sketching my own ideas. You know? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think that show is just fabulous. So I can't yeah. wait to catch up. I'll talk to you in 2017 or 2018. <laughs> right. 2028. Right. So, so yeah, season episodes? 10's on right now. I think season, uh, episode three just came out yesterday. So it's it's fun. I, I love Face Off. So that's what I'm – that's my planned plundering is Face okay. Off. So I suppose <laughs> you really can watch them out of sequence. I just uh, – yeah. Because I know that they started bringing people back or relatives of people and that kind of thing. Yeah, they, they started bouncing like some champion things where like there was one season where they had a mentor, which was obviously one of those seasons where they couldn't really find the higher class artist stuff. Mm. And so they're like, well, we'll bring some of the winners from previous seasons back to mentor the new guys kind of thing, right. which was cool. I enjoyed seeing – the people that had the experience go to the kind of the relative newbies and be like, well, you need to redo this and do this kind of thing. It was, I kind of like that. In fact, I'd love to see a season of face off where they take people that are interested in the career, Mm -hmm. but have never done it. Somebody that's never touched foam latex before and have no idea what they're doing and show them how to do it. Because I think that'd be a great intro to other artists that are like, oh, this looks so cool, but I have no idea how to start and show them how to start kind of thing. I think that'd be fun as hell. And I've liked in the, in the seasons that I watched, I've liked when the more experienced artists would show the less experienced ones and they would get, I like that in any of these competitions Yeah, when 
people would help each other, even though that was at odds with the narrative in most of them, which is that you got to compete against these right. people. You want to eliminate help them. them. Right. I've always enjoyed, and I felt like face off more than, uh, you know, some of the other ones. Uh, they were more likely to actually do that. Say, yeah. Well, you shouldn't have done that. I like, I really like that aspect of that show. Yeah. It's, it's a lot it's more collaborative the, than it should be considering what it is. Yeah. In architecture school, there was a fair amount of focus on the design charrette. So you're in studio and you're doing your projects, but people are walking around and talking to you about it. And students would come and look at what each other's are, what she, what each other are doing. Right. So I like that most in face off when someone, when they walk over and go, I really like what you're doing with that. Yeah. Like, oh, might consider doing this. Um, and you know, of course they'll say, no, I think I'm gonna do it my way. Close up. <laughs> right. <Just> commercial break. <laughs> but, and then uh, Sam sadly walking off as they get eliminated. <laughs> and then how dope is it that Mackenzie Westmore hosts that? And has oh, she's so food. great too. I mean, it's amazing that she's still, I'm frankly, I didn't think she would be, I didn't think it would continue on as long as it did. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's neat that she has been been with it so consistently over time. Well, and they've brought uh, Michael Westmore into it as their mentor. Oh, uh, did they? Yeah, yeah. He comes in every episode and wanders the lab while they're working and gives them advice and is like, okay, you guys should probably redo this. It looks really bad. Your nose makes it look more like a beast than an animal, that kind of thing, which yeah. is really cool. And I, I love Michael Westmore. I think he's yeah. amazing. So yeah, it's, I remember it's really cool. Yeah, mm. I, th- I think it's pretty neat that they've brought him in in kind of a kind of a the old guard capacity. Yeah, when it first started, I was most interested in V Neil. I don't think she's, she's doing so is, cool. Does she still? She's back again. Um, oh. She took a couple seasons off because she was doing uh, the Hunger Games series. Oh, that's right. Um, well, that was half the fun when people would come and go. Yeah, and that's what I saw. Even during the middle of the season, they'd be gone and be like, "Well, you know, you know." Neville Page is gone because he's working on X. You know? Right. I like that um, because it gives you a sense that these are real professionals that happen to take breaks and do real work. And then yeah. Come the yeah. one that always cracked me up was Glenn Petrick. <laughs> he's such because, a character. Because he's, <laughs> he's got that stern face. He's got that attitude. He's a certain personality I know from studio. You know, right. I know this guy. Right. Um, and he he could be intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. Except he's got his guar makeup on or whatever's going <laughs> right. on. Right. He's this little fire plug with tattoos everywhere. And <laughs> so ridiculous. He looks so ridiculous. Like you, you teased your hair to do that. Yeah. You have the little locks coming out. Oh, it's so funny. I, I love his, his fashion sense on this because you get the impression that that is how he dresses when he's going to the grocery store. Yeah. But he yeah. spends so much time doing it. <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I distinctly remember at one point that he reminded me of the photos of – Glenn Danzig. Oh yeah. Uh, carrying cat litter and all pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Danzig goes to Petco. <laughs> so so that's what you're planning to plunder is Yes. Off. All right. What of you, Mr. Tom? I got three things. Three um, things. So we're gonna well, be here for another seven hours. Yeah, it's supposed to be forty five minutes. <laughs> Buckle in, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we'll keep it brief. <laughs> so one is a is a TV show that um uh well actually its debut was tonight. I haven't seen it yet, but um, it's called You, Me, and the Apocalypse. Okay. And it's uh, it doesn't – it's not a great sign. It's on NBC. But um, it's not what I would expect. It's not, it's not like it's on, you know, 
uh, I don't know, HBO, HBO or something. Right, where you think it's right. Really, really edgy, edgy. But um, uh, it's uh, it's it's another one of these sort of end of the world stories. But it's sort of like a black comedy TV hmm. series, and I don't know how many I don't know how many <clears throat> episodes are planned, but um, it uh, it has a combination of British and American actors, and it's touching on the the idea that the world is that they've announced that a comet's coming or whatever it is it's going to destroy the planet, and everyone has a set amount of time, and it's watching people fall apart. Um, okay. But instead of being a uh, instead of being a um, a Paul a Paul uh, Thomas Anderson style like you know really tragic depressing thing, right. it looks kind of nutty, right? You've hmm. got a you've got a priest that is like, well, okay, <laughs> you know, Rob Lowe is a priest who's just like really, yep. And then, interesting. Uh, Jenna Fisher from The Office is a woman. Oh who, what, yeah, I do it? remember seeing a little of this. Yeah, she somehow has been convicted and has just entered prison um and is like oh you know oh my god i'm gonna get killed i'm gonna be eaten alive in here literally <laughs> there's a cannibal here and then um megan mullally oh uh, nice is playing a neo-nazi crazy with a joker style tattoo no way that's yeah. awesome and then there's some some characters there's one the one of the actors from the british uh series the wrong mans is <laughs> on there um, Matthew Bain, I think, or Joel, I don't know what his name is. So anyway, I, I'm really, I'm interested in it because, you know, it's interesting subject matter and right. it seems kind of edgy for NBC and I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but it's getting very good. Um, um, it seems like it's getting some pretty good ratings as far as, uh, uh, viewer commentary. Nice. They'll like the first episode. So I'm excited about right that. Right on. Yeah. We'll have to, I'll, I'll have to see if I can track down a copy of that too. And so it's going to be on Hulu, I think. So nice. So and then uh, I have two movies to look forward to uh, with the kids and my work schedule. I tend to have at minimum two movies a year that I get to see, <laughs> which is the ones I see on my birthday and then on Iron Lung's birthday. But right. Um, and so they're going to be the big superhero, whatever the big budget movies. But uh, um, I've been sneaking out a little bit more. So well, this this Saturday, I'm going to go see Revenant. Nice. I'm going to go back to the uh, Alamo Draft House that I have uh, talked about before where right they, they feed you and they booze you up while you're watching it. That's a two and a half hour movie or more. Oof. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of, you know, brutality. Yeah. It's a pretty um, intense movie. And your so. beer tab could be into the triple digits by the end of the movie. Well, <laughs> I, I hope so. It, it was for Star Wars. Um <laughs> But uh, so I have that happening on Saturday, and then next Thursday I'm going back to the same. Nice, theater. dude! I don't blame you. That theater looks amazing. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> and I'm taking my lovely wife to see uh, the new Coen Brothers film, Hail Caesar. Nice. My I just made a uh, a date with the wife for that as well. So both of us will do our our dates on that one. So so I I think it's a fair assessment that uh, we're going to uh, be talking a bit about that. Film. Oh yeah, I'm so excited about that movie. I'm planning six hours. Six hours of talking about it, <laughs> and that's just in like sucking the monkey. What were you drinking while you watched? That? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you want to uh, do you want to segue smoothly, smooth segue as we do everything? Uh, yes. Uh, to the I blame the sea. I blame the sea. Yes. Know what that is? We know what that is. What is I blame the sea? I don't know. Do we know what that is? Well, it involves the dulcet <laughs> tones of. 
What is it? The dulcet tones of you and me ranting. ranting things. <laughs> it's really just ranting. Something's under yes. your skin. Something's under my skin. We get to talk shaking about our it. fists at the ocean. Well, I'm definitely going to shake my fists at the ocean. I don't even know where the ocean is, and I'm going to shake my fists at it. <laughs> you should be close enough to know where the ocean is. I kind of do. It's that way. So, uh, what about you? What's 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 been getting under your skin? Dude, it's, it, it is literally under my skin that's bugging me this week. Uh, my glasses have been driving me insane. Well, if they're um, under your skin, that's the first problem. Yeah, well, that's that's not where glasses are supposed to go. Well, my implants are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've I'm overdue for new glasses. Uh, these pair. These pair. This pair that I'm currently sporting is approximately three years old. Um, and I went to the eye doctors today and they dilated my eyes and poked and is this one better? Is that one better? Is this one better? Is that that. one better? It's just, you're always second guessing yourself. You know, what's crazy though, is this guy was the chillest about that I've ever seen. Like he, he came in and he's like, Hey, we're going to do this. You've had glasses since third grade, you know, the drill. One thing that I always tell people that they don't tell people too often is smaller and darker isn't necessarily better. Mm. Maybe it's just smaller and darker. If it's clearer and larger but lighter, that's actually better than smaller and darker because smaller and darker means your magnification is too high. And that's what's been my problem with my glasses for the last few weeks. Apparently, my prescription has actually gotten or my vision has actually gotten slightly better better in a way um in that my nearsightedness isn't as bad as it used to be and so my glasses are over magnified and that's why everything i do is either on the computer or in front of me as i'm drawing or whatever and it's been just a couple hours i start to get a little headache behind my eyes and it's because my magnification on my glasses is too high Hmm. And so that's what's causing it. So I went in, paid 300 bucks for an appointment and glasses, and we'll hopefully have some new ones in a couple weeks. But That's brutal, too, because you're, you're thinking, this is a Lego. This is Lego money. Right, right. There's my goddamn Lego firehouse mm-hmm. sitting on my nose. <laughs> <laughs> I had my eyes lasered um, some years ago, right before I did the AIDS life cycle ride. Right. And uh, I just didn't want the something about the idea that my glasses could break halfway yeah you know, halfway yeah. across you know several hundred miles of riding and um and so i got it late in my life relative to when people are opt you know it's optimized to get your lazy right and you know they told me well you know that was like 35 or something at the time and they said you know when around 40 men's eyes harden and you're gonna whatever so i don't care give me one year right clear vision i'll do it so i did it i loved it so then in my early 40s, I'm 42 now, but, you know, maybe when I was 41, mm-hmm. I went back to them because you get lifetime upgrades. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> with, your, with, your, your, uh, with your eye surgery. And so I said, you know, I'm starting to see my wife can see clear at night. She's, and it, well, during the daytime, can, she can see street signs farther away. And at night, mm-hmm. my like flare, the, the light, the flares are, are stronger. And oh, yeah. Different. So we went through all the tests and everything, and it was extremely frustrating to fine tune. You know, like, ah. you know, like you said, all that stuff. That test is ex- it's extremely aggravating. You think they're trying to trick you? you know, right, right. Um, so anyway, at the end, they said, "Okay, well, yeah. I mean, you've got a little bit of change in your vision, but it's not enough. You have a change, mm-hmm. but it's not enough 
that we would recommend doing more work because actually every time you do it, there's a greater chance that there's going to be a problem because you're okay. just it's the same material, understandable materials carved, you know. Right. I said, fair enough. I just, you know, I figured I maybe get one more shot at this, and I don't know when that would be. Right. It's not yet. <clears throat> so they actually recommended I get reading glasses, and so I ordered some, and and honestly, I don't use it when I read, <laughs> but what I do do. What I do do, do, do is do, I do. use them when I'm drawing because I tend to look down at the – I kind of look closely at the, right. the page and um, so much of my work over the last several years with the kids and everything, I'm working at night or in dim lighting conditions or really <laughs> tired. Right. And I, and I have a hell of a time focusing um, my vision when I'm drawing anymore. Back in my day, I could draw. So, <laughs> yeah, so – I, I pull out the reading glasses and I put them on when I'm focusing, specifically when I'm inking, right? When I have to be precise. Right. And it, and it works great. Nice. It's great. So I've entered that phase in my life, Chris, where <laughs> I'm wearing reading glasses to draw my comic book cartoons. So as far as rants for me, I've had a hell of a time with some technology. I go long, long periods of time where everything is working great. I'm one of the most... Uh, Diligent and judicious uh, right. electronic technology users <laughs> you're going to meet. I have triple redundancy in my backups, and I'm really organized in my file structures, and I'm oh yeah very consistent in my methodology. And then, and then everything went to shit all once. Right? Yeah, it really did. It all exploded. Dumped, <laughs> my iPhone dumped. My friends' computers died. My parents' computers <laughs> died. The server went down at work. Whole network went down, and I spent from maybe mid December all the way through the month of January just patching one thing after another <laughs> i ended up going through three different laptops i had to replace my macbook pro with another one brand new one and then that one the fans were screaming oh wow RPM right out of the gate i was like well that's not right yeah Called. they said take it back so then i so i put that one together and then i immediately had to take it back and get another one and put that one together oh lovely and there's so, nothing more fun than in reinstalling all of the programs you use on a regular basis and <laughs> On the upside, I've, I'm I'm so invested now in the in the in the cloud methodology as far as the way you store and use your data. So even though I have a lot of stuff that's locally saved and that I use locally on a regular right. basis, the nice thing is, so much of it is now install the app and drag down all the content that's synced to it. Nice. So, and in fact, over this process, I've I've moved even farther and farther into just using the web versions of things like just using web mail and web, right. you know, I'm web document creation over the last few years with Google docs and now office as well. So anyway, I'm getting to the point where, and now I'm finally, I've expanded my, I pay for Google and I have actually expanded that to being um, a tier where it's unlimited bandwidth. And so oh. I'm just moving everything up there. Yeah, I don't my, blame you. Honestly, my art files and everything, everything. Except wow. I'm not putting media up there, but right. I'm putting all of, I'm, I'm putting, um, well over a decade's worth of art files, raw files as well as completed work, all into online storage uh, in at least one place and photos in two places. So that you know, right I, on. If I have a catastrophic failure, it'll still always you know. I need to start getting into that as well, especially with my my shop files and everything that we yeah. use to actually run the stuff. I have them saved on. Multiple redundancies, but I am nowhere near as organized as you are. And so they're like, well, they're on a disk somewhere. <laughs> well, and, and I've told people several times, you know, physical media is still physical media. It still has the same, you know, 
hard, you know, splatter drives have the same, um, they have the same statistical likelihood of failing on the first day of use and the, you know, fifth year of use. Right. They don't, they don't do, they do gradually start to increase in likelihood of failure, but in general, they're not changing much. Right. It's when those circuit, and usually it's the board or it's the, the, the platter themselves that will start to fail. And the bottom line is, you know, you can, you know, you can do triple redundancy on hard drives and you could lose all three, as I saw when I moved here, right? <laughs> I lost two drives at the same time. The backup of the primary drive and the primary drive at the same time. That's insane. It's unreal, right? But yeah. if you look at it in terms of flipping a coin, I, I, I flipped heads twice. And I lost <laughs> right. Drive. So the one thing I like about the digital storage online is, you know, granted, you know, a zombie apocalypse, we're going to lose everything anyway. Right. But, uh, they have enough redundancy in their own systems. And especially if you can use more than one to store stuff on, as I'm doing now, I have Amazon Locker and Google, oh, okay. uh, Google uh, Docs, <clears throat> and then I use Flickr for for uh, photos as well as uh, archiving it to a separate site. So the bottom line is, you know, that's about as good as you're going to get. Yeah, it really is. And and for you and I both, um, this is our IP, right? Our right. our digital art is our. It, I mean, it, yes, we could always draw something new, right? But the physical constructs that we've already made in these files is incredibly valuable to us. You right. want to go back and reprint this or you want to make an edit, you need those original files again. Yeah. Yeah, so. it's not something where you can just be like, well, I'll just redraw everything I've done in the last 15 years. <laughs> so that's not really a rant for me because I can't really point at any of the technology and say that it failed me because you know, <laughs> right. it just does what it does. And I'm an Apple guy and the, I really like the equipment still. It just happened to be one of those things where it's a perfect storm of, Everything going wrong at the same time. Yeah, but. it was a weirdly coincidental amount of problems you were having there. <laughs> we, we actually got together to do um, a podcast last week, and I was like, oh, my computer is really acting up, and it's <laughs> crashing, and I can't get Skype to work. I'm going to have to pa- pause for a day, and then the next day, it's like it was dead as a door. Right. <laughs> we're not doing it. <laughs> I get a, a photo texted to me of a new computer box. <laughs> right. That's right. So, um so, Chris, tell me tell me your ports of call. What's coming up for you? Uh, not a lot coming up right now. Uh, the first thing I have is in the beginning of March, I have a gaming convention, uh, STG Con, but I'm taking most of, well, I'm taking all of February off to run the shop and try and get some new product finished up. We've got close to a dozen new soaps in the works. Nice. I'm working on some new key hooks and just straight artwork. I'm finally finishing up my sketchbook for the from my Inktober pieces. Mm, um, cool. So I'll have that book finished for the cons. But con-wise, we decided to take the early year off to try and get some more product done. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, you're, you're ahead of schedule based on what we plan for this year. I haven't gotten uh, anywhere on my new product, my new product stuff, but um, I'll get there. I don't have anything. You'll do it all in the last week. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any pipe. I don't have anything in the pipeline for I don't know six months or something. I don't remember what the first con is, but I have time. But I mean, I have. You know, I would like to have one or two more products ready, as well as a lot of prints and stuff. So yeah, when we're getting together again at a future con later this year, I really hope um, to have made some inroads in that it's ready to go it's just as usual real life formatting yeah well, no i just i can't i can't get my head above water at work and with my personal responsibilities at home right to spend a few minutes I, I go sit down to to try to work on something and i fall asleep so um but i'll get there, I'll get nice. there. i have some exciting uh goals anyway. yes 
So, um, uh, you know, the funny thing that you mentioned about um, producing your new product and doing some new sketches, you've done some really great um, homage pieces to recently departed actors yeah. that I really like that I wanted to mention for people listening are all seven <laughs> listeners. Maybe they'll run out and check out uh, deeplydapper.com and maybe pick up some of these prints if they don't go to the cons because – Which I haven't posted online yet. But. but Do that. But do that right now. See, you're doing that <laughs> stupid thing that I always do where you do something topical and then you sit on it for three years. Yeah. So, you've got David Bowie. You've got um, although I haven't actually finished either of my Bowie pieces I've been working on, I have not quite been happy enough with them. So, <laughs> the Rickman piece, right? Uh, no, no, I haven't done any Rickman actually. Um, piece. We did. I did the Bowie. It does seem like I did something else topical, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Did you do an Abe Vigoda piece? No. <laughs> That's it. That's been in the works for years. That's great. Well, anyway, I think you should get on it because, uh, especially the Bowie stuff. My gosh, even like last year, you were getting all kinds of traction on your labyrinth stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So, uh, nothing in the near future other than recording sweet, sweet podcast. Yeah, oh yeah. podcast rama <laughs> All right. Well, that's just about enough of that. Yeah. So I guess so. we should just uh, thank everybody for listening to this episode of uh, Robot-Kraken. Yes. And I uh, hope you join in for our next show. I'm guessing we're probably going to talk about, again, like we promised last time, <laughs> Hail Caesar <laughs> and the Clone Brothers. I'm sure we're going to do that. Um, probably more Superman, Batman v. Superman v. whomever. I'm sure that. we'll have something to complain about, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> um, and we have a number of things from our Kraken reviews that we didn't even get to this time. Uh, Marvel Netflix stuff and yeah. digital drawing tools reviews and uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. Come yeah, out. yeah, keep listening. And Everyone again, if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can always write us at salty at robot dash kraken dot com. No dashes, just dashes. No right. dashes. <laughs> salty at robot dash kraken dot com, and you of course go to robot dash kraken dot com and check out all the sweet sweet stuff we post in between. Recordings, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and then, how and how how could I reach you if I wanted to talk to you specifically? If you'd like to reach me specifically, stuff? you can pretty much choose your social media platform of choice. Look up Deeply Dapper. Uh, I believe you can find me on any of them that way, or you can write me at deeplydapper at gmail dot com, or go to deeplydapper dot squarespace dot com. That's a lot of options. Yes. I wish to choose. I want to write you a letter so that we can talk. We <laughs> well, in that case, my time. address is – no. <laughs> I don't do that. You can reach me at uh, uh, thirdraildesignlab.com. You can go to that site um, or you can email me, Tom with an H, T-H-O-M, at thirdraildesignlab.com, spelled like it sounds. But most most likely you'll just go to the robot-kraken.com site and you can find other links to other sweet stuff. Yeah, that's really the easiest sites. way. Um and uh, if you're interested, um, you can also search for us on uh, on DeviantArt. We do have that weekly art jam, so artists that are listening. Some per- percentage of our seven listeners are artists. <laughs> and, uh, you, know, you know, you might want to get involved in that. We choose a new topic each week and draw it. And a lot of those drawings end up in people's portfolios and art books and yeah. commissions and so forth. So it's, it's a, a good way to, to stretch your art muscles a little bit and draw something you wouldn't normally draw or that you'd never even considered drawing before. 
I think you're exactly right. And there's no time like the present. Exactly. Let's do it. Let's 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 do some more drawing. Let's get the sketch pad out right now. And then let's do some more podcasting. Yes. All right. Thanks again for listening. Yeah. Have a good night, everyone.